Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutter's back. I am. Yay. Yay. Welcome back, Cam. Thank you. This morning, we are excited to welcome back some old friends, including Cam. To start the hour, Father Adam Streitenberger, the Executive Director of Buckeye Catholic at the St. Thomas More Newman Center at The Ohio State University, will be with us to take a glance at today's gospel. Then at about 8.20, Maggie Wright and David Locke will join us to talk about temperaments, how we can be more aware of how God is speaking to each of us and inviting us to grow through our natural dispositions. I'm excited because this is a brand new topic for me. (laughs) I'm excited to learn more about myself and those around me. I am as well. Morning, Amanda. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Prayer. Please. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this day, for your goodness and for all your blessings. Lord, we ask that you meet each and every one of us um, in particular in whatever we are facing today and with those that we will encounter today. We ask for increase in faith, increase in courage, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, uh, perseverance in whatever you're calling us to do. And we ask um, in every way to be faithful and to grow greater in love of you and with you. We offer this through the intercession of Mary. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. What did you do on Saturday? (gasps) I was at the women's conference and I saw you there. I was there. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't that a lot of fun? It was a hoot. It was, I was really touched by the amount of people who we got to encounter who are typical comers to the the St. Gabriel Cafe. Yeah. So it was great to just get to chat with those people who maybe we don't always get to see face to face, but we get to be with on a daily basis. So it it was actually fun seeing their reactions because they, you know, be chatting and then they'd like look over at the screen or to the little <laughs> thing with our pictures and they're like, oh, <laughs> you're Dave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Uh, so thank you for everyone who came out and said hello to us. Thank you for, we had these, so the the giant, the exciting thing that we had that we were promoing were the yes. giant wings. Mm-hmm. And so that was so much fun. Could have everyone. your picture taken with giant golden yes. angel wings. <laughs> And we just had a, a lot of fun doing that. So yeah. So thank you everybody for the kind words. Uh, it was it was really a lot of fun hanging out with you and just a beautiful conference as well. Um, close to three thousand women there. Outstanding program. The Eucharistic procession and Holy Hour was so beautiful. Yeah. And, it really uh, was. Yeah. So, guys, your turn coming up this Saturday. Men's Conference 27th Annual, still time, plenty of time to register, but we'd like you to do it right now today. John Edwards, Chris Stefanik, and Father Burke Masters are the headliners. The conference happens Saturday, February 24th at the Ohio Expo Center. You can register online at stgabrielradio.com. 
And Dave, if we miss some of the talks, where can we find them? Or if we want to listen to them again. That's right. Uh, the Women's Conference Talks will be up on our website by Wednesday. So go to stgabrielradio.com, click on podcasts, then go to special features. And then all the talks will be aired beginning at on Sunday at 8 a.m. So you can also listen on St. Gabriel or on demand at stgabrielradio.com. Great. Father Adam. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Yeah, wonderful. How's the uh, campus at The Ohio State University? It's going great. Yeah, it's going great. We're uh, in the midst of Lent, mm-hmm. you know, so. When did that start? Um, Wednesday, <laughs> last Wednesday, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have to remember. It's an everyday of Lent, you know. Um, the, uh, we, our, lob, our um, lounge is open. Nice. You know, so as you know, we've been doing this renovation. So the lounge is open and the choir loft is finished. Nicole so, was with us last week. She's yeah. thrilled by the new choir loft. Yeah, this well, and the students are thrilled with the lounge. Um, it's they've been hanging out there quite a bit, so it's it's getting well used. Ec- so excellent, and you'll be adding coffee service. Yes, I think mid March, mm-hmm. um, Crimson the Crimson Coffee Shop will be finished, mm-hmm. and then I think they're opening in April. Okay. Is the, I would encourage everyone to stop by and, and get coffee there um, to support um, our partners and mission there with Crimson. Mm-hmm. So when it opens in April, so and I don't, um, yeah, a robust RCIA class or OCIA class. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't count my chickens before they're hatched. So we, we still, you know, I'm, I'm not giving an official number mm-hmm. of who's coming into the church, but it's probably close to thirty ish. You know, maybe more than that. So, I, th- I throw out teasers. none of none of it will be waste. None of it will be wasted. Yeah. Well, time, you know, though. it's interesting. So. You know, I've been meeting one on one with all of the students mm-hmm. that are in the the um, we call it Intro to Catholicism. There are the courses. So, because some of them are you know lifelong Catholics that are interested. Now, that's not in the count that we're doing. Mm-hmm. That are just they just want to kind of learn a little bit more. Um, but some of them are really, I would just say, still at an inquiry level. Yeah. You know, they may not be ready at this Easter to come into the church. Um, so my meetings with them ended in December. You know, so I've seen, I've met everyone in December. And there was, I mean, I think there were there were well over 30 people that are going through it. But I would say there was maybe a half dozen or so that I think were on the fence in December about whether they'd. Go the cool way, but there's you know all kinds. I mean, you know, people who were baptized Catholic but never raised. Um, um, There's a young Jewish woman who's looking into it. Um, You know, it's it's pretty amazing to hear their stories and how they've come to the you know come to the church. So that's going great. Um, You know, there's there's just so many many wonderful things. Um, what, the big thing that I'm kind of anticipating is that um, the new statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary is coming, is, is arrived. I think she has been shipped is from Italy. Is this an inside ch- uh, statue or it outside? Inside, okay. yeah. So this will be Our Lady of the Buckeyes is what we are going, is what we're calling her. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so I, I'm hoping that she comes... Um, in the next couple of weeks, so. Mm-hmm. 
exciting things. Yeah, Nicole was sharing stories about just you know students walking in and yeah. uh, exploring and just some of the wonderful conversations that she had had. Macy Becker was with us as well and sharing similar stories of, uh, yeah, just uh, just people coming in to, to see what, what's happening and what it's all about. And uh, you guys really provide outstanding hospitality. So. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, we had, you know, so Ash Wednesday, I'm sure Nicole shared, and we had about 2,200 <laughs> yeah. um, students for masses. Um which is pretty amazing. And then this weekend, I mean, we um, there were over well over nine hundred wow. um, at masses this weekend. Um, which is, I mean, that usually after Ash Wednesday, there's a bit of bit of a, a boost, you know, that that mm-hmm. happens, and it actually sustains itself. So, like last year, I think going into Ash Wednesday, we were at about six hundred was our average mass attendance, mm-hmm. and then it bumped up after Ashwin and stayed at that level. So, um, you know, I think what we try to do is when, when someone new comes is to not, it's not just to welcome them, but to really try to bring them into something, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe it's a small group or a Bible study. We have these Lenten small groups that are happening. Um, it's sort of what we're trying to feed the new students into. And then, you know, the sacrament of confession is, I mean, it's we hear well over seven hours of confessions a, a week. You know, they want me to count. Someone was trying, they were like one of the staff members, was like, well, you need a clicker to count. And I'm I don't I don't think I want to count individual confessions, <laughs> right. but yeah. I like to I I estimate them by the hour. So, and we we need I mean I uh, I need more hour. We need more hours of confessions. So. Well, then that's really saying something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, it's amazing. I mean, I'd say like every other day there's someone that, you know, rolls in that hasn't been to confession since their sec- since the second grade. Wow. Or their confirmation wow. or, you know, 10 years or. Um, so it's, I mean, there's a, there's some beautiful, really beautiful things. I'm not, I obviously I'm not, I can't reveal a lot of what I see, but mm-hmm. there, I mean, it's really amazing to be a wit. I mean, it's one of the things I take great joy in is to be yeah. a witness to what the Lord's doing in these people's lives. I mean, it's, you're going to need a bigger chapel. Well, it would like the, the 10 AM was standing room only. Like it was, uh, it I was love that's it. a good problem yeah, to so have. <laughs> my, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to grow out of that chapel you know, mm-hmm. and I think maybe we will if, I mean, if we keep, if the Lord keeps driving us in this direction, I think, I think we'll be there. Mm-hmm. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What well, do you want to take a look at uh, today's gospel? That'd be great. This is Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46. So should we read it or do you have, um, how do you want to approach it? You know, um, I think it's probably worth reading. Okay. It's a little longer, um, little longer passage. Okay. Would you like to read, Dave? Or Sure, I can do that. That's my, that's my old high school teacher and me. You know, <laughs> Dave, David... why don't you read? <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, uh, read what? So, yeah. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. 
Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. Excellent. Good job reading, Dave. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, I uh, this so the first thing that struck me when I was meditating on this the other day was um it, this is I would it I would call this um a series of triplets. So there's a set of triplets, three sets of triplets. Um that we're very familiar with. So we know of the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Mm -hmm. um, we also know the three evangelical councils of, um, of chastity, poverty, and obedience. And those actually overlap, they correspond. So charity corresponds with chastity, um, faith corresponds with obedience, and hope corresponds with poverty. Um, well then, you know, obvious in in Lent we talk about another triplet, you mm -hmm. know, of fasting and almsgiving and prayer. And those correspond to those other two triplets, you know. So, um our fasting corresponds to um hope and to poverty. Okay. Um our prayer corresponds to obedience and faith. And then our almsgiving corresponds to chastity and charity. 
And so it, it reminds us that even though we're kind of focused on fasting and prayer and almsgiving in this season, they actually, by entering into those, they're helping us to live the theological virtues and the evangelical councils. The evangelical councils, which are the vows, you know, that religious take, mm-hmm. are really just a re-expression of what we are supposed to do by our baptism, which is why they're kind of uh, overlap with the three theological virtues. Mm-hmm. That's probably a dense um, theological point for 8.20 a.m., but I would say this, and that is 8.20 a.m., the time, time. not <laughs> that's also a call signal. Good point. You know? But I, um, but I think I yeah. I say all that because when you go through the readings for Lent, especially this first half of Lent, the Gospels usually touch upon something like prayer or fasting or almsgiving, and obviously this one is really looking at almsgiving, mm-hmm. but in the light, really, of its larger meaning, which is of charity, you know, that that we're called in Lent to really look at our life and to see how are we, how is the theological virtue of charity manifesting itself in our life? And this is a great examination, I think, of our life. This gospel gives us this this opportunity to look at our expressions of charity, especially, you know, it kind of overlaps with the corporal works of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think the, you know, the, the, the thing I would first um, maybe propose to us is that this gives us the consideration to look at how maybe our almsgiving this season might be helping us to live charity. And one of the things that kind of, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know, I, I try to um, communicate with about Lent is we should really try to do practices in Lent that we're able to do every day and build a habit so that by the end of Lent, we can keep doing them. Yes. And that's, I think, is is... So when we think of our almsgiving and Lent, you know, we might say this is the time where I'm going to cut my checks, you know, of charity for, you know, the year. Mm-hmm. I've gotten my tax refund back and now I start writing checks. But really, I think this might give us some, what what are the ways that we really want to be doing charity? And how do we start that practice in these 40 days so that we can keep doing that after Lent? You know, almost sort of a, what is my um, apostolate of mm-hmm. charity, really, you know, that, that the Lord's calling me to. And and the Lord gives us lots of options, you know, in that, and different expressions of them. <clears throat> and maybe that is, um, I think, something that to bring to the Lord this day is, what what does my ongoing work of charity look like? Mm. So, Father, would you say that that's also uh, maybe a good gauge then is, is my fasting alms and prayer this Lent uh, producing the fruits of faith, hope, and charity? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because as I was, I was kind of alluding to is the other, the big task of Lent 
um, I th- it is really, I think, the purpose of Lent um, historically is that is to prepare us for Easter. Now, we obviously we know that, but what do we do at Easter? Well, we know that the catechumens are brought in, they're baptized, but every Catholic renews their baptismal promises. And so the practices of fasting and almsgiving and prayer should help us to examine our life and to see how those three virtues which we received by our baptism are, are, are alive in our life. And, and if maybe one of them is not so, then that's per, you know, perhaps what we need to focus on. Um, so it is, mm-hmm. I think it, it, you know, in a sense, we're not just doing this because, you know, this is what monks would do in the desert. We do, we do those three things because they help to enliven um, what we have received in our baptism. Right. Father Adam Streitenberger here in the cafe this morning. We're taking a look at today's gospel uh, from Matthew 25, 31 to 46. A lot of practical ways yeah. to pray into um, how that expression of almsgiving can, can be lived out. I mean, it really does cover, <clears throat> if, if you're looking outward to those around you, to everyone that you encounter through the day, you really could pray into, they're going to follow into one of these categories, if not explicitly, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's a, a more subtle expression, but you're, you're going to encounter those that are thirsty, those that are hungering, those that are imprisoned, um, in some fashion. Yeah. I mean, and you know, there's, I mean, isolation, um, mm-hmm. you know, Every, you know, everyone in this society, in this culture is isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, this that really is Satan's great kind of strategy, is to isolate us. To isolate us from God and to isolate us from each other. Um, and he does that through sin. And, you know, sin, we become self-absorbed, bec- you know, by our sin, mm-hmm. which then isolates us from others. And so in that sense, everyone is imprisoned, or everyone is, in a sense, lonely, you know? Um, and so, you know, one of the things I encourage, especially with the students at um, the Ohio State University is if say hello to the people you walk by. Now, most of the time they've got earbuds in, you know, and they're unresponsive, but say hello to the people you walk by because you may be the only person that talks to them that day Mm. and saying hello to them may actually save their life. Mm. But it also like, it may actually be Jesus, you know, like you're saying hello to Jesus, you know, like if you walked by the street and saw Jesus, you would say something to him, I would hope, you know? Right. So that, I mean, that's a small gesture, but you know, we, by saying hello to someone, we're freeing them from the prison of their isolation. Um, And so that small little gesture, you know, I think is, is key. Well, I think that's our takeaway today. Say hello to those that you say, see yeah, and see Christ in them. Yeah. Love it. Father Adam Streitenberger, thanks for being with us this morning, hey, Father. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to talk about temperaments next with uh, Maggie Wright and David Locke. Do you know your temperament? 
No, not really. I I have some hot takes on temperaments, so I won't. Oh, um, no. I won't. I won't go into those. But. Well, maybe we'll have you back for those hot takes. Yes, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Father Adam Streitberger, thanks for being with us. Take care. Hey, Can we have your blessing? Yes. Um, Lord God, we ask that your blessing be upon um, all the listeners here and all here gathered. Um, may your blessing especially of a fruitful Lent um, be upon um, all of our listeners. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Adam Streitberger, the Executive Director of Buckeye Catholic at The Ohio State University. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by Maggie Wright and David Locke. Stay with us. Let us pray together the Golden Arrow Prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and ineffable name of God be forever praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the most sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you have a minute for a gift? Each of us were made as a gift and to be a gift. We become a gift when we give ourselves to others. In baptism, we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit to draw us closer to God and to help us live virtuously. The Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude moves us to endure difficulties for the sake of eternal life with God. God's spirit of fortitude gives us divine strength to enable us to persevere in grace when we are tempted by grave sin. The gift of fortitude reinforces our will in the practice of virtue, especially in our daily duties. Let us ask for the gift of fortitude and the grace to live virtuously. God's Spirit makes us free. Let us ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let us live in the freedom that Jesus gives and become a gift of self for others. I'm Lori Kroc and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. As Catholics, our main goal is to be with God in eternity. Having a vibrant life in the Church by being faithful to the sacraments helps us reach this goal. But do our secular goals at work, school, and in our personal lives support or lead us away from our desire of eternal life with God? St. Therese of Lisieux said, Let us go forward in peace, our eyes upon heaven, the only one goal of our labors. While it's not easy, the reward is great, and Jesus urges us to respond to the call to live our faith 24-7. For Matthew 6:24, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let us pray. Jesus, help us to set our hearts on things above, as our ultimate goal is to be with you one day in paradise. Amen. 
Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and here with us in the cafe, Maggie Wright and David Locke are joining us again. Good morning, folks. Hey, good morning. It's great to have you back with us. Last time you were here, we talked about the temperaments and how much fun it would be to reveal our temperaments, Mm -hmm. a a little bit of self-revelation, but then also talk more broadly about... um, how this can be helpful uh, for all of us in in our walk with the Lord to uncover these natural dispositions and how the Lord yeah. can work through our nature, um, yeah, and and build on it as He's known to do. So, four temperaments. Um, now, is is that across the board? Because we took a, an assessment offered by Metanoia Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, is this pretty well established yeah. that there are four temperaments? Yeah. yeah, there are four temperaments, but you have a predominant temperament, and then you may have one that is just a little lesser, like I am. I, well, I won't tell you what I am yet. So Not yet. We'll keep that a secret. <laughs> so, but yeah, you have one that you, your tendencies may lean, you know, stronger into that area, but it'll depend on the situation. So you may find, so let's say you're, you're choleric in, in Maybe in your work life, you're very choleric, but maybe in dealing with your wife, you're a little more melancholic. You know, you'll find it in just different situations. Mm-hmm. Well, help me. Um, maybe a little context or background. Yeah, or define a temperament for me. Or, yeah. So, well, temperaments are your natural inclinations. Okay. And in fact, the four temperaments that we're talking about, these temperaments are um, just stretched in, in history of the church. Father Rippender has a lovely talk on them. Um, Aquinas talks a little bit about them. Um, so, you know, you see this throughout church history. It is one of the oldest personality tests that are out there. Now, I'm going to put a big disclaimer in here because personality tests are there for information. It's about understanding your unique design mm-hmm. and who you are and how God made you. But it is not an excuse to stay there. Mm. You know, it's not an excuse to go, oh, oh come you know, on. I'm choleric. <laughs> And that's the reason I shoot off and act like a fool in the middle of a meeting. And so that's okay. Y'all got to just get over it. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. Uh, no. Okay. Oh, well, I'll let the three of you go. Yeah. Then, so. <laughs> <laughs> we need that grace to help build on our nature so that we can perfect ourselves. We'll never be perfected the sight of heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, by any means, we won't. Um, but So it's a self-understanding it. yeah. uh, of how we respond mm-hmm. to different externals. Is, is that and internals and yeah. internals yeah, okay. both are maybe towards ourselves and towards other people yeah. okay yeah 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 but it tells us like our strengths and also where we need to grow right and that's mm-hmm. where that comes in where we're not stuck there and think oh that's just the way i am it's where you're naturally disposed but we're all called to grow um beyond just our natural in- inclin- inclinations so yeah david as you're with your work um, in counseling, do you find this to be a helpful tool? Absolutely, yeah. I often do a values inventory early on, and it often comes up there where people often have uh, values that go along with their temperaments, right? And so um, we'll look at that and encourage the good sides of that. And I'd say, like, they might even recognize the deficits of it and feel ashamed about it. And one thing I like to do is encourage, see how does that serve you well, right? Where does that show up? Um, because for them in the spot there, and they might think, oh, this is only a hindrance for me for living the life I want to live. And like, okay, wait, where, where do we see that showing up? It's good. But then also they might recognize a value that 
maybe goes against the temperament they have and say, okay, how can we challenge you to, to embrace that more? Mm -hmm. Right. So that definitely shows up and we, that's kind of a big part of the process of helping people live the life they want to live. Yeah. What would be a good example then of maybe seeing a character trait that maybe we're not so fond of, but actually it could end up being a strength. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, a choleric is a good example of that where, um, one, uh, potential temptation is towards anger, right? And maybe if someone's coming to counseling for anger issues, they might say, I don't like this part of me, right? But we might talk about maybe how has that served you well? Maybe you're really good at achieving goals, right? Having a good sense of vision and drive for what you want to do, right? So that's a good thing, right? But then maybe they recognize that they want to be more empathetic, which is a struggle for choleric sometimes, right? So, so okay, what would that look like to show more empathy to people? Like, so we might talk mm -hmm. about reflective listening, for example, right? So that, that's one example of how you can recognize the strengths they have, but also challenge them to grow beyond that and kind of do the counter of it, if you will. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, so we're yeah. using the, the words, right? Choleric, <laughs> sanguine, melancholic, um, phlegmatic. phlegmatic. So maybe we should then start to Let's break open. That. What are they? <laughs> mm. So I'll start with choleric. So, um, choleric, your powerful choleric is your one that likes to set goals. It's your one that is, um, pretty intense in their emotions. They're intense in, um, what it is that they do. They set goals. Sometimes they get into trouble because they want to go off on their own. You know, they don't need anybody else. So um, clerics need to learn that they need God. Um, the clerics are the ones that get things done in a way. Um, they might be the driver of something. They tend to drive projects. That you, your clerics are good for being your drivers. I mean, you know, melancholics, melancholics are very um, thought-provoked. They're very introspective they spend a lot of time um, thinking about things and um, maybe understanding you know anything that might trip up a project so let's say you got a project at work that you're working on you got your cleric over there driving but your melancholic's gonna be the one over there going oh but did you think of this did you think of that what could you know uh, what here what there you know and so they're the ones that are gonna um, have all those things but they could get stuck in their thoughts and never move towards action. They tend to be slower to react, where clerics are very fast to react, powerful, quick, swift. Melancholics are slower to react, okay? But their reaction usually lasts over a time, okay? Sanguines, sanguines like things to be pretty positive. They're, they're your positive. They're your cheerleaders of the group. They're your ones that are... Um, the easier to talk to. My husband is very sanguine. People find him so easy to relate to and talk to. He'll know everything about them. I mean, we go, he's the type of person that could go to the potty and meet a friend. You know, just <laughs> he'll come out with a friend. He knows no stranger. And that's the endearing part of sanguines. But the sanguines also sometimes find themselves in a superficial level. You know, they, they might... Okay, once it's gone, you know, I'm done, I'm moving on, you know, and forget about it. They are a little, um, they're pretty quick to react, but they forget about it quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't hold on to it, whereas a melancholic is going to hold on to that grudge or hold on to whatever it is. Your sanguine's going to let it go. And then um, 
Phlegmatic. Yeah, I'm gonna let you do phlegmatic. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, phlegmatic. That is the kind of opposite of choleric in certain ways. So, emotional reaction-wise, phlegmatic. It's um, slow and steady and not very strong. So, um, there's kind of the value of peacemaking might come up really strongly for a phlegmatic. Um, yeah. But the challenge with phlegmatics would be maybe a lack of ambition where it's needed, for example, right? Because they're just very even keel, kind of content, right? But um, also too, like there's the the positive aspect of of having good relationships with people, being very pleasant, very steady as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. They're very slow to react, mm. you know? If they react at all, and we were just talking that a lot of your generals, believe it or not, are phlegmatic, good generals. Oh. Because they're slow to react and they're very even keel, you know, a phlegmatic doesn't necessarily take on someone else's emotions or a melancholic will feel mm. like that. So they're not impulsive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're talking about the temperaments with David Locke and Maggie Wright. You're listening to the St. Gabriel Cafe. So. <laughs> the reveal. The Is reveal. That what you're getting to, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> um,. Who wants to go first? I vote you. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. How? I'm not sure which one of these of you. All right. Uh, so choleric, sanguine, 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 melancholic, phlegmatic. So this is on at least the way that Metanoia Catholic does it is on a, a scale of 100, right? Mm-hmm. So. This is a test, folks, that are, is available available at uh, metanoiacatholic.com. It's a free assessment. takes about 10-ish minutes. I scored uh, 60 out of 100 uh, phlegmatic. Mm-hmm. My second highest was choleric at 48. And then uh, sanguine and melancholic. Mela, melancholic I'm not sure mispronunciations, which category that falls under. Melancholic um, and sanguine were both 42. So. So your primary is phlegmatic and your secondary mm-hmm. is choleric. Yeah. Which are opposites, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they are. They Di- are. Okay. But they Di- use each me. other. So okay. they, uh, it's not a diagnosing <laughs> you. <laughs> I bet. Um, so I can already see how this probably plays out for you because your phlegmatic side being very even keel, but your cleric side is what spurs you to action. Okay. It's what moves you forward, especially if something you feel very strongly about. With phlegmatics, they are not prone to act unless it's something that they seek. Okay, so they might, one of the reasons they stay where they're at and they don't move is because they see that that right there is what's keeping, you know, where they Mm -hmm. want to be. It's what's keeping in their own good. But if they see that moving the other way, you know, might get them the peace that they desire, okay? Mm -hmm. They're desiring peace. The peace they desire, they're going to move towards that. I bet your choleric side helps you a lot in that area. Well, I can see, now that I, I know this, I can see where sometimes that internal struggle comes from mm-hmm. on whether to maintain peace and stay where I am yeah. or do I push it forward and uh, the word that comes to me is, is um, follow that impulse, that prompting to yeah to yeah. move things forward. 
But then I also can see, and something I, I've tried to uh, work with the Lord on through my life is anger and uh, mm-hmm. to, to keep it in check and, and not fly off the handle, have that immediate reaction um, towards, you know, Let me ask you, does that gasket. anger show up a lot when peace is threatened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's insightful. Because yeah. yeah. mm. the peacefulness yeah. is his yeah. phlegmatic side. Mm. You've been diagnosed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's, uh, I, I joked about it, but how should people really approach this? And want to get all of your uh, scores so we can diagnose you as well. <laughs> but um, I mean, how, how should, once we know what these scores are, how should we take this to prayer and, and, and use it for growth? As you mentioned, at the outset, Maggie, this isn't an excuse to yeah. to name it and claim it, just deal with me because this is the way I am. But how can we use this for better self-knowledge and for growth? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, part of it, it's kind of like I was mentioning earlier, like see where it has served you and encourage that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. also think, right, where do I need to be challenged, right? And, yeah. and where do I kind of need to make up the difference, so to speak? But I think also in our relationships, especially our close ones, Right. If you're with an emotionally safe person, right, a friend, a spouse, um, letting them know kind of your internal world as well, like what's going on here, why I'm reacting the way I do, um, you know, as a way to kind of walk with me in that, but also maybe, you know, challenge me to like if you're phlegmatic, maybe challenge me to kind of step forward or melancholic or um, some something like that. Right. So I think it serves you in a lot of ways, whether both for yourself and your relationships with others. What's that mean when you're like I, I didn't hit a home run on any of these, so to speak. I mean, I, my high score was a 40 or it was a 60 and my low was a 42 across mm-hmm. the four categories. What does that mean? It doesn't mean much of anything. It just means oh, you'll okay. show, you'll show, you'll show up differently in different situations. Um, I think it's important. So I gave you guys a, and as coaches, we like to take a look at what are real triggers for people. Um, and so when we take a look at the triggers, then we know where they need to work in virtue. What are my triggers? What are my weaknesses here with this? And just look at it as an opportunity to work towards virtue in that area, because that's why this information is important. It's not important to go, well, you know, y'all get over it. I'm getting angry. <laughs> I'm about to spit off like a strike ready match. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. Cause I'm choleric. So I have that excuse, but Understanding other people's temperaments, I also think is important because when we understand the person that we're with, like I understand my husband's temperament, he understands mine. I'll understand in a situation, oh, he's getting triggered. Hold on a minute. This, I'm, I'm really triggering him here. My cleric side wants to stand there with my finger wagging. Look, we're going to deal with this like right now. You know, mm-hmm. his, his uh, sanguine side is like, no, peace at all costs because I... This is not fun. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. So understanding these there and and working with each other to kind of meet each other halfway, you know, so that so that we're not constantly butting heads. Because a lot of times we'll misread the other person, and then assume, you know. So they're really not supposed to be boxes to place ourselves no. in, but Mm-mm. opportunities to grow in virtue. Yeah, yeah. It's important to know you know, where you are. And, and the fact that you're 60% phlegmatic, you know, that just means that that it, it, what you want to harness is the virtuous side of that. There are some beautiful things about phlegmatics. When when I am, when we, in our leadership team, we had a, a member of our leadership team that was phlegmatic. When she would listen, when she would start to talk at the 
at our meetings, I'm like, oh, everybody, let's listen to her. Hmm. Because for her to speak up and really say she's she's like, okay, y'all are destroying the peace. Let me talk to you about this. She would help us see the sides where a cleric is like, shoot at the hip, let's go. We're moving. She is the one that stands there and goes, hmm. yeah, but have you thought about this? And then for her to speak up takes a lot. So because yeah. she doesn't have a cleric bone, yeah. by the way. It's important to keep in mind too, there's examples of saints of each temperament too. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like, oh, one's better or something mm-hmm. like that, right? They're yes. all different, yes. all different gifts. That's a really right? good point. Is, That's a really good is point. the goal over time to kind of shoot even in each one of these? Is that yeah. the hope? Yeah. In fact, Christ, he had the best of all the temperaments yes. with none of the defects, right? Oh. So as we grow in holiness, our temperaments will actually shift a bit, right? Okay. So it's not stagnant. So for example, I've heard like if you start sanguine as you grow in holiness, you might be more choleric um, after over time, right? So <laughs> so the fact that I'm really in the middle is uh, really... I mean... Yeah. It's not a yeah. bad yeah. thing. Yeah. It means you've been doing a lot of perfect in yeah. there, Dave. Yeah. Good job, Dave. The family will say yeah. that. Yep. <laughs> All right, Amanda. Okay, mine, I am primarily phlegmatic with a very close melancholic um, and Mm. then choleric sanguine. So I'm 60. Oh, actually, this came up melancholic. My bad. I'm mostly melancholic. So 63 melancholic, uh, 61 phlegmatic, and then choleric 51 and sanguine 41. So primarily melancholic, second sanguine or second phlegmatic. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) Oh, those are always fun to be around. But let me ask you, as a melancholy, do you find that perfection's an issue for you? Uh, When I was younger, for sure. Math homework would take me forever because it needed to be straight. Mm -hmm. Because it needed to be perfect. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And I, I hope I've grown out of that some. A a lot of melancholics do. (laughs) I'm melancholic. That's my my secondary but we'll get into what my primary is but a lot of melancholics might um find that to be an issue when things aren't perfect it might be a trigger for them noise is another thing what mm-hmm. about noise <laughs> yes yeah. like like things calm like yeah. things even keel and that probably plays with your phlegmatic personality part of your personality that likes things calm but you're also probably for a lot of people a safe place to go Mm-hmm. You know, you probably find that a lot of people are wanting to talk to you or maybe unload with you because you can you can feel deeply with them. But when you need to, you can be neutral with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's a really cool thing, I think. So I have a daughter that is primarily melancholic, secondary phlegmatic. And for the rest of the kids, she is the safe space. Mm-hmm. She is the one. You know, but then she also needs her alone time. Right. You know, she lives in a house with a lot of choleric people. <laughs> <laughs> what I like, the uh, Metanoia Catholic gives uh, a, a character example for mm-hmm. each of these yes, as well. So, so <laughs> Amanda, um, your character would be Eeyore. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Eeyore is from, not a bad thing. Which, I love which is Eeyore. funny because I don't see it's, myself as a, like a sad fortunate. person, but when you hear the word melancholic, that's what you think of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and the saints are John of the Cross and Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have necessarily connected either of those with Eeyore, but um, okay. So uh, phlegmatics are Winnie the Pooh and St. Yeah. Thomas Aquinas. Easy to get along with, yeah. you know. 
Cam. Here. Present. <laughs> <laughs> I usually leave my mic off until until I have something to say. So <laughs> until you're summoned. How Is did that you telling? score? <laughs> <laughs> um so I was a 73 phlegmatic, Whoa. which did not surprise me. So I took mm-hmm. the first time I took the temperaments test was six years ago. And I scored very similarly on phlegmatic. So that part of me has not changed. However, my second one changed. And, and when, David, you mentioned that, like, as you grow in holiness, if you're more sanguine, you might mm-hmm. become a bit more choleric. I threw my arms way up in the air. And none of our listeners could see that because my second one changed. And I was more sanguine. And now it's become a bit more choleric. And I, when I took the test, I took it um, and was just, like, having a conversation with the Lord in prayer about, like, how I've how my seasons have changed too in the last mm-hmm. six years and yeah. how that's required change of me even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I got a college degree in the last six years and and that requires a bit more mm-hmm. intentional focus and passion that, that that choleric side is and maybe a little less of the like, you know, all over the place sanguine <laughs> that I used to be. Um and so really just uh blessed by the insight of seeing even the shift in myself too. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Mm. I love that. A lot of phlegmatics on this team. Mm. Yeah. That, you know, that does bring up my next question. <laughs> how do you how do you work together how as you, a team then? Okay, so how I How do was, we deal with each other? <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> I was um on a missionary group, the Culture Project, and they were actually intentional about putting different temperaments together so mm-hmm. that we can all have different yeah. strengths. Mm. Yeah. So I do find it interesting. We have two phlegmatics, one melancholic. We work very well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You probably use your secondaries when they have to show up. Sure. You know, because you can exhibit all four temperaments. So um, just in different different ways. That's why you have a score for your sanguine and your, and that might show that up. That makes sense. You know, that, that might show sense. up when it's necessary. But a, is a person that is working towards holiness and maturity and virtue will show up a lot differently and be able to harness those parts of themselves. Like I said, this is nothing more than a tool of understanding who you are. I do think that it is a wise idea to when you, so if I was building a team, the first thing I would do is establish a phlegmatic (laughs) for that reason, because I think that even keel Mm -hmm. is really important for the team. So um, the melancholics will get stuck in the decision making and never make a decision, you know, whereas the the choleric is going to come around. OK, here's our decision. So I bet that's where your choleric shows up, Dave, is when it's time right. to make a decision. It kind of overrules all the other and says, here we go. And you guys have probably learned to rely on that, you know. So. <laughs> but I can also see as uh, where, where we started as as a team here putting uh the cafe together i really can see how well we worked together with the rest of the team here at saint gabriel to to plan and to pray into mm-hmm. what we wanted to um this cafe to be all about and praise god for the phlegmatics showing up you know mm-hmm. in, in in that because <laughs> we really did pray through a lot of things we had that endpoint in mind we had a goal but we really were able to approach it very thoughtfully and and in prayer so 
Is that phlegmatic? Yeah, yeah, Boom. that is your phlegmatic and your melancholic side too. But the problem with your melancholic is your melancholic will stay there, <laughs> never move. I just kind of, yeah. Mm. Okay, Maggie, what are you? I am 82% choleric. Yeah. 82%? 82% choleric. And Off then, the charts. Yeah, and then yeah, 52% melancholic. So, okay. Yeah. So choleric would be rabbit. From yeah, Winnie the Pooh. yeah, which that rabbit side used to show up an awful lot when I wasn't working towards virtue. Mm. I might tell you. <laughs> yeah. So that would mean goal oriented, liking to get things done, mm-hmm. the leadership of the group. Yeah, yeah. But and then the negative side of it is, you know, quick anger, mm-hmm. you know, pulls the trigger too quickly. You know, uh, sometimes it sits in that it's all about me. You know, um, I don't need anybody else. So that can be a really hard thing for clerics learning that mm-hmm. they have to be interdependent with the other people that they're working with and saints uh peter and paul yeah were clerics which keep that in mind when you mm-hmm. read through right. uh read through yeah. the gospels and uh and, and the epistles they really do come out don't they? And, and especially it when does. they interact together yeah i like the word fiery for mm-hmm. that you know that's mm-hmm. a- <laughs> david so um i'm I was exactly the same melancholic phlegmatic, 58 for both, which mm-hmm. I was reflecting like that definitely makes a lot of sense. And then sanguine's a third, which makes sense as well. I'm extroverted in my temperament, even though melancholic phlegmatic are typically introverted. And choleric is a bit lower, 32, which checks out, I would definitely say. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely like to think deeply about things, and that can get me in trouble if I'm overthinking for sure. So I definitely mm-hmm. see that. So, yeah. yeah. So the sanguine is Tigger. From Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. as well as our saints, St. Teresa of Avila mm-hmm. and St. Philip Neri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's my husband, Tigger. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which triggers me. <laughs> I'm like, trigger. we haven't got time for Tigger. Stop. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point, Maggie. In terms mm. of practicals um, in relating to others, how can we best serve those around us when we know their temperament? What would be some some insights or some practicals? Well, so the thing is, is understanding what they need. Mm-hmm. My husband needs things to be interesting. He needs to, um, he needs to feel like he's been heard. That's, that's a big one for him. But he needs to, he needs things to be interesting and fun. And he needs to be, when he, if he's setting a goal, it's got to be working towards something that's fun. But he also needs it to be over with when it's over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When, once you, my choleric side, my melancholic side will want to hash something to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll want to keep going on for, I could do it for a week. <laughs> you know, do you remember? He, for him, as a sanguine, it's once we've talked this out, then it needs to be over. We, we've settled it, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to keep coming back and rehashing. A melancholic is going to want to go back and rehash over and over again. So it helps me perfect myself and go, oh, you know, he, this is, I'm not, I'm not helping him live his best side because this is a trigger for him when I'm coming back with the negativity constantly and wanting to, to rehash it or going, we have to deal with this right now. And not giving him so understanding space. that seems to help you both balance each other out mm-hmm. then. Yeah, mm. it does. It does. I think it's really important. I was using the the example of a um, a couple that I worked with that were starting a business together, and her you know primary temperament was choleric, sanguine. 
His was melancholic sanguine. Well, her choleric side would show up with the shoot to the hip. We're going to make a decision. We're going to keep going. His melancholic side needed to think about it. Mm -hmm. His melancholic side needed that space. It even shows up in my husband and I's prayer, by the way. So my husband gets up in the morning. He's very smiley. He wants to talk. He's just going on and on and on. And then he sits down to pray. He's praying out loud. He's And my melancholic side is over there in the corner going, ooh, shh. it's too early for that i don't you know he he does well praying together and in community where whereas i want all that time to sit there and reflect Mm -hmm. and kind of the danger is is if i don't learn to pray a little bit into community i'll sit in that reflective spot there i'll be there for like two you know well spend all my time in front of the blessed sacrament which by the way is not a a bad thing but mother angelica would go every morning spend time in front of the blessed sacrament and then use that as fuel for action a melancholic will stay there mm-hmm. and we've got to learn that we've got to use it as fuel for fuel action, for action. Mm-hmm. yes yeah. david any quick takeaways for us yeah i i think yeah a big part of being in relationship is using it to meet someone where they're at but also challenging them to grow, right, in the way that makes sense for them. And I think a big part of that is even what, think of what motivates somebody, right? Like kind of using that sort of as a platform. So for example, um, so I mentioned, so uh, for example, a, a sanguine, right? They're very much into what's the feel good part of this experience, right? And so if something doesn't feel good, it's very hard to be motivated. But if you, if you need like a long-term goal, it's like, okay, help them see the good in that. Right. And even kind of start to experience it by seeing what are the pleasant emotions that come from thinking about this value that you're pursuing. Right. So kind of it's a little bit uh, not necessarily intuitive in terms of how to motivate them. Right. But kind of seeing that kind of using what's good there to help them grow beyond that. So Mm -hmm. and you can kind of see that for all the temperaments as well. Yeah. And if you've got someone phlegmatic, it's helpful to give them small steps Mm -hmm. and to let them see those small steps. Yeah. And then the traje- trajectory of where that goes. Hey, that's going to make it easier on you if you take that small step. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas says grace builds on nature, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I, I love the uh, the opportunity now to take this, take these results and bring it to the Lord in prayer and and, and really have a better self-understanding. Pray for the grace to, to have better self-knowledge and as well as... Um, to have a better understanding of those that we encounter today. Yeah, amen. So Father Adam said, say hi to somebody today. <laughs> and now we're going to say, let's take this to prayer. And uh, yeah, just want to see how the Lord wants to work with us. Tomorrow, Dr. Marlin and Father Jacques Kick. Today, Maggie Wright, David Locke. Thanks for being with us here in the cafe. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow morning.